Turret. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. I love mountains, and anyone who knows me knows that I love mountains. I spent a lot of time in the mountains earlier on, uh, after the graduation from college and during my teaching years. Spent a lot of time hiking and climbing and rock climbing and so on. And thoroughly enjoyed it. Some of the most fantastic pictures that have ever been taken of me and uh, those who care about me were taken in the mountains. And the reality is, though, that mountains have a unique and special place in God's viewpoint. Now, I did not realize that at that time, but indeed they do. In fact, there is one mountain in particular that stands out from God's viewpoint. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about the mystery of the mountain, the mystery of that particular mountains. And the reality is that mountains throughout the world on every continent are enshrouded with a sense of mystery, usually connected with the surrounding human culture. For instance, if you were to go to the era around uh, Kathmandu there in uh, Nepal, Uh, surrounding or just below Mount Everest, you would find a great deal of uh, worship and uh, spiritual aspects attributed to that mountain. Almost every high mountain has among its uh, natural habitats, that is human uh, habitats, the, uh, the idea that there's some kind of spiritual significance to that particular mountain. Well, Whether or not you agree with that is not the point. That just happens to be the reality, both today and throughout history. But today, we're going to talk about the mystery of history. And the mystery of history is related to a particular mountain. And I am convinced that history is only can only be understood as a series of occurrences along the plane or passage of time as there is greater import to these occurrences that when fully comprehended, they will bring us to what what I call an aha moment that is related to a mountain. And our willingness to honestly understand that question and answer the question is going to determine our destiny, either of horror or hope. So the mystery of the mountain has to be discerned if we're going to unravel the mystery of history. And that's what we're going to attempt to do here on Viewpoint. The confluence of history and prophecy, friend, in our time has placed every person, prelate and power broker of this planet, in a position of consummate choice before uh, both for personal and global destiny, and there's no escape. No escape. The choices and decisions each are now making, both great and small, are going to lead inexorably toward a final and irreversible decision as to who is going to rule and reign on the Temple Mount as King of the Mountain. There are no exceptions. So the heart and mind of every man and we could say mogul of the earth is soon going to be irrevocably fixed. How can we choose to conclude the message? How we choose to conclude the message 
and meaning of history teetering over the fulcrum of Bible prophecy will reveal the hidden mystery of man's history. And mysteries are fascinating. Everybody loves a mystery. It's one of the most popular genres in uh, bookstores, in book publishing. And uh, God has laid out his word in such a way that it contains many mysteries. It talks about the mystery of uh, iniquity. It talks the mystery of the kingdom of God, the mystery of God. Uh, There are so many mysteries that are revealed in the Bible. But one of those mysteries has to do with a mountain. It's not one of the higher mountains in the world. In fact, it's not high at all. It's only a couple of thousand feet high above sea level. But I'll tell you, it's 37 acres are the most prized, priceless 37 acres in all of real estate history on the planet. It's called the Temple Mount. And so today we're going to take a look at the mystery of that mountain and how we need, how our understanding of that mountain is going to realize, is going to help us to realize where we stand today, where everything is moving and why it is moving that direction. Now, today we received a notice that uh, a man was arrested on the Temple Mount. He was going to attempt to sacrifice a lamb on the Temple Mount uh, in order to fulfill the requirements of Pesah or Passover. He was arrested. Why? Well, because the police thought that that was going to cause a horrible uh, problem there because the Muslims would rise up in uh, an anger and violence so the man was arrested so that he could not offer the very sacrifice that Abraham was called to sacrifice, or at least he was called to sacrifice his only son there on that very mountain called Mount Moriah. But in place of that, God presented an animal, a ram, to be sacrificed in lieu of Abraham's son. And ultimately, because Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son there on that mount, Mount Moriah, therefore God was freed to send his only son, his begotten son, in the fullness of time to give us hope for the future. Whether you call it salvation, whether you call it the hope of resurrection, it was the ultimate hope, because without that hope, there is no hope. So our hope is built into this particular mountain, our understanding of that mountain. Now, let's suppose that we understand, you and I know, that our hope is conditioned on what happened on that mountain and what's going to happen on that mountain. Well, if that be the case, would you not think that the enemy of your soul and God's arch enemy, Lucifer, now known as Satan or the deceiver himself, would do everything he could to upset that plan, to take away your hope and to replace it with an alternative hope, a counterfeit hope, one that your carnal nature would be happy to embrace as a substitute for God's eternal hope. That is exactly what he intends to do. 
And all of history has been moving in that direction to fulfill that intent. So when you read the words, I believe it's in Ezekiel or Isaiah, he says, uh, Satan says, I will ascend to the heights of the north. I will be like the most high God. That's what he's really saying. He's saying, look, I am going to take the preeminent spot on earth in place of the one who has been claiming that spot from Abraham through Jesus Christ and his crucifixion to now. So how is that going to happen? And how does that help us to connect the dots, even perhaps what's taking place tomorrow in Manhattan? I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. It's the mystery of the mountain. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. We are told uh, through the Internet, various news agencies, that the power brokers of this age, particularly in the Western world, those that are pursuing a new world government or a new world order, we call them globalists, those people are announcing that 2023 is the year that their, shall we say, their ultimate groundwork must be laid to accomplish the fulfillment of their need, their desire, their intent, their declared intent that by 2030, a great reset or new world order will be established. Now, as I shared with a pastor over lunch today, I said, I want you to think about this. Jesus was crucified and rose again somewhere around 2030. So, if you were to add 2,000 years to that, where would that take you? Well, it would take you to 20... uh, did I say 2030? I mean, he was crucified uh, and rose again somewhere around 30 A.D. 30 A.D. So if you add 2,000 years to that, where does that take you? Well, it takes you to 2030. How far away is 2030 from today? Well, it's just under seven years. So are we in the last seven-year period before whatever this great reset is, the goal of globalists in the Western world, the unifying powers of the Western world under NATO, are we in that final period? Will the seventh millennium 
actually begin somewhere right after 2030? Now, please don't understand from what I've just said in asking those questions that I'm saying, thus saith the Lord. That's not where we're coming from. We're taking a look at the actual dates and saying, look at this amazing time sequence. Now, what's fascinating about this is that during this time sequence, there are other major things that are developing. One of those happens to be the first time ever in American history, a United States president being indicted. He'll be indicted tomorrow, we're told. Indicted for what? Well, uh, that remains to be seen. But what are the implications of it? And why is it taking place? It's taking place to fulfill, friends, the goal of the globalists to secure a new world order. And Donald Trump represents the last best hope, regardless of what you think of him, is not the point. He represents the last best hope of resistance in America to being taken over and absorbed by this new global order that is being established. This very day, we received an announcement. An announcement from the head of NATO that Norway now has been accepted for NATO. It was the last of two nations that were part of the original Roman Empire at the time of Jesus. to be absorbed into NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. There is one remaining, and that's Sweden. Sweden has already applied. But Mr. Erdogan doesn't like the fact that Sweden hasn't played his game concerning the Kurds. So he is resisting allowing Sweden to come in to NATO. Will Sweden come into NATO? I'm absolutely confident Sweden will. And when Sweden finally comes into NATO, the former Roman Empire will have been fully reborn. Resurrected, you might say. Is that not a mystery? A mystery that's been fulfilled, just as the prophet Daniel foretold in the great Colossus that the final ruling empire of the world at the time of the end would be the great Roman Empire, an empire differing from all others. Indeed, it does and has differed from all others. But in order for that to fully come into its implementation, America, which is the leading nation of NATO, must be brought down in the sense of uh, reducing its patriotism, reducing its economy, reducing its uh, legal authority, reducing its uh, uh, all the various aspects, its power, its respect, and so on, 
it must be brought to a place where the peoples then in America will more easily be assimilatable into this new global order and will not resist it. The problem is that Donald J. Trump represents the holdout. He said, no, we're going to make America great again. We're not going to play the global game. And he has been hated with a purple passion because of that. That is the real reason why he is hated. Both by Democrat and Republican. Globalists. That's why he was hated by George Herbert Walker Bush, our 41st president. That's why he was hated by uh, George W. Bush. That's why he was hated by Hillary Clinton. That's why he was hated by uh, uh, Bill Clinton. Democrats and Republicans all sold out to the idea of a new world order. And Mr. Trump has dared to stand against it. Will this be able, this action taken by a sold-out globalist under the financial support of George Soros, another globalist, will he be successful in rendering Donald Trump, shall we say, helpless politically or legally, in continuing on with a second presidential term in 2024. That's really the issue there. If you do not understand that this is the battle for the king of the mountain, and that the new world order wants to rule ultimately and reign with its final representative on the temple mount, then you don't understand the Bible and you don't understand history. You're not connecting the dots. And so for that reason, everything looks like it's just political. Everything looks like it's just legal or everything looks like it's just economic and so on. That it's all about Russia. It's all about Ukraine and it's all about China. No, friends. We have very, very limited view when we see things that way. This is a historical game almost that's being played not on a linear basis uh, or a uh, a plane like most chess games are played, but like it's a three or four level chess game that's being played. It is a much, much bigger picture. So with that all having been said, the the final battle that's unfolding before us is what I call an end time battle. And the preparations for that battle are drawing the nations with demonic magnetism uh, toward a global conflict unprecedented in the annals of history, just as foretold by the ancient prophets. And that drama, soon to conclude, the final act of history is going to reveal who truly is and will be king of the mountain. That is, will Jesus Christ or his imposter the Antichrist, be that king of the mountain. That's really the issue. Now, in order for this to happen, we have to see how the empires of the world uh, progressed through history. They were like mountains, political 
uh, ruling mountains in the history of the world. The first one that we know about was Babylon. And Babylonian, the, the Babylonian experience was, from God's viewpoint, like the first expression of the New World Order. So, the historical powers of the earth under Nimrod at that time, after the flood, gathered together and raised their heads and their hands for global and regional recognition against the express will and word of God. They said, basically, we will do it our way. Like Frank Sinatra, we'll do it our way, thank you very much. And so they began to build the tower. And God said, now nothing will be restrained from them, which they imagined to do, because they're all speaking the same thing, they're all in agreement, and so he messed up their language, didn't he? So the Babylonian Empire was the first humankind, first notoriously betrayed allegiance to and trust in the Creator after the purging removal of unrighteous men from the earth by the flood in the days of Noah. And within one generation after that came Babel, the Tower of Babel, Nimrod, A great man led the people in the face of God, and thus was born through Babylon a universal symbol of mankind's historic and perpetual effort to supplant God's spiritual governance with man's secular government, deconstructing God while deifying man. That's how it happened. So the civilization history, Babylon, once deemed glorious, degenerated progressively into diabolical behavior, degenerate practice, and destructive chaos. In fact, the Babylonian rebellion became so overwhelming against the authority of God that they, and by the way, we, became filled with all unrighteousness. So that Babylonian spirit has metastasized through the ages and become ever more sophisticated and universalized so that it now presents itself, shall we say, as a dogma through the high priests of our creation-worshipping end-time religion and its holy trinity, political correctness, multiculturalism, and religious pluralism, all of which now religiously promote environmentalism in worship of Mother Earth. And the spirit of Babylon is alive and well. It still is. Now, we know that somehow, in Revelation chapter 17, from God's viewpoint, Babylon must not be seen as a mere geopolitical entity or as a mere site on the globe, because he warns specifically of mystery Babylon. Remember, we talked about mystery, the mystery of history, and then the mystery of the mountain. So he calls mystery Babylon the great mother of harlots, who is also described as the great whore that sits upon many waters. You might want to read about it in Revelation chapter 17. It's pretty pretty amazing. So the mother of harlots is going to bring about the religions of the world under her mothering skirts 
and in that way prostituting her supposed Christian purity and prophetic call on the lust-filled altar of political power. So God says, come out of her, my people. The next empire was the Egyptian empire. And we know that the phoenix of ancient Egypt arose from the ash heap of history in a final bid to reclaim earth glory. And when Pharaoh was confronted by Moses to let my people go, his response became a timeless expression of the rebel attitude of earth's rulers and citizens toward the God of creation. What did he say? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And that spirit of Egypt pervades the church today. And that's why the word obey is the most hated word in the church today. How in the world, then, is Christ going to rule over people who refuse to obey him on the Temple Mount? Will they not embrace a counterfeit? We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section... God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. The geopolitical stakes, my friends, have never been higher. They pale in the presence of the spiritual stakes that are echoing now into eternity because the mount, the ultimate mystery of the mount, is the mystery of the temple mount, which is perceived, is biblically stated to be the ultimate throne of Christ upon his return. A throne is the seat of ultimate power and authority. A throne may physically present itself as an ornate and grand elevated chair or something, but its true significance is its symbolic place and purpose, declaring to all around that they are in the presence of sovereign and exclusive dominion. So that dominion can be exercised under a monarch or king, an emperor, or even a dictator. And thrones speak. They speak of exclusive sovereignty, demanding allegiance, deference, and obedience to the word, ways, and will of the one who sits upon the throne. So that means it tells us very clearly, friends, that God's opponent, the opponent of Jesus Christ as the obedient Son of God, who came to earth in the fullness of time to provide the hope of salvation through the sacrifice of himself upon a cross is in jeopardy, or at least 
from Satan's perspective, he is going to defy and defile that sacrifice. How is he going to do it? He is going to and intends to become king of the mountain. And so he is moving the nations and their leaders to be part of the massive movement of history, the mystery of history that is moving rapidly toward the fulfillment of the mystery of the mountain. Which presents the final great confrontation between God through Jesus Christ and Satan or Lucifer, who sees himself as Savior. So which is it going to be? You see, the world is going to make a choice. And that choice is being set up as we speak. If you do not understand and are not willing to understand that the things that are taking place before us now are actually dots in the formation of a major biblical picture that is now unfolding to display in all its uh, amazing, mysterious uh, revelation, biblical prophecy, to prepare for the coming of the Lord. So when we talked about Egypt, over 400 times, the Bible uses the phrase, come out of Egypt or out of Egypt, over 400 times. Because the spirit of Egypt is a problem of trust. God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. They were not qualified to even enter the proximity of the holy mountain. So God would not allow them into the promised land. 600,000 men, heirs according to the promise through Abraham, were not allowed into the promised land, even though God took them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Only two of those 600,000 were allowed to cross Jordan that were accountable at the time when God called them out of Egypt. Only two, Joshua and Caleb. In other words, they were the only ones who God t- that were of accountable age when God took them out of Egypt, the only ones that God considered appropriate to head to the proximity of the mountain, the Temple Mount. The rest of them had to die in the wilderness. And then came the Persian Empire and the Medo-Persian Empire. We know about that. In fact, it once ruled over a major portion of the world. And to this very day, Iran wants to rule over the world and developed Sharia law all over the world. The Ottoman Empire came along and once ruled the world. The then-known world gained dominion over much of the then-known world for 500 years, even took over the Temple Mount. And now it's reincarnated, shall we say, as modern Turkey, taken over by Mr. Erdogan, who sees himself as heading up a new Ottoman Empire 
to rule the world under Sharia law. And then, after that comes the Roman Empire. It never truly died. Its secular power became diluted and dispersed for over 1,500 years. But the power and authority of the Caesars, as Potiphar Maximus, was ultimately transferred to the Bishop of Rome, the Pontiff, the Pope, the reigning Potiphar Maximus. So what happened is they merged the secular and the spiritual authority in the so-called Vicar of Christ as a substitute Christ returned to earth with all power and earthly glory and who intends to rule the world from the Temple Mount. Thus the Holy Father on earth replaced God the Father. The world's leaders made obeisance to his holiness while spurning the holy God of creation and Rome reveals itself not to be dead but very much alive. And the counterfeit Christ when he comes in the form under the authority of that not-so-holy Roman Empire, is going to brook no competition, no opposition in the final battle for King of the Mountain. But then intervening came the Russian Empire. It was once grand and glorious. Most people don't think of it that way. But, you know, it progressively lost its patina like all the others. Yet the vision of Russian grandeur and glory was preserved over 1,500 years by means of what was called the Third Rome Image. In other words, it invested deeply in the Russian imagination and psyche for centuries and gave birth to the vision, a vision to save the world through the spread of Soviet communism throughout the world. Then with the demise of the Soviet Union, there was a a time when all pride and long for power of the world seemed forever crushed, and then came Vladimir Putin. And he seeks to impress the third Rome mark upon the world's history. That's what he's doing. And he's feverishly choreographing, as much as he can, former Soviet client states, back into the Russian realm. And he declared himself to be, he declared Russia to be the guardian of the Islamic world. In other words, to bring as many in as possible. And the Vatican, the the inevitable conflict of third Rome, that is Russia or Moscow, with the Vatican's first Rome, is going to intensify in this final period, positioning to claim the world's throne as king of the mountain. So is it going to be Russia, a representative of Russia? Is it going to be a representative of the Western world empire? And Russia, you see, has now been separated from Europe, even though it was part of Europe, and now has embraced China. So China and Russia now are seeking to use one another for their respective abilities to try to become king of the mountain. And then came the American Empire. Now before we talk about the American Empire, I want to... uh, Make available to you my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. 
I think it's going to open your eyes. If you do not already have this book, you really need to get it because it's going to open your eyes to help you see the greater picture of what is transpiring. The things that are happening out there are not just isolated events. They are dots in the greater picture that is forming to show biblical prophecy emerging as the final picture of world history. It's a $22 book. Yours on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Ready? Check at $5 for postage and handling. The book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. Now, then came the American Empire, a very young empire. During the Roman Empire, the Roman peace that came upon the world through the Roman legions was called the Pax Romana. Yeah, the Pax Romana. Then, a few years ago, that same phrase began to be used concerning America as an empire. They called it the Pax Americana. And that phrase really manifests that America in its current manifestation, having rejected the God of our fathers, having walked away progressively from the authority of God and his word, is now becoming very much like ancient Rome and much more powerful. So it is. Is America truly, from a prophetic perspective, a reincarnation or a reiteration of the famed, never totally destroyed Roman Empire? Well, when you think about it, we have a Roman-type government, a Romanesque capital, Roman-English legal system, a Greco-Roman way of thinking, a global footprint of Roman-American ways, an economy that's followed the same pattern of spending as Rome, a moral degeneration affecting the same pattern characteristic of Rome's heyday of prosperity, a culture increasingly attacked and undermined by numerous outside forces, and so on. It goes on and on and on and on. Where are we? Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
what a blessing it is to come before you daily to talk about the things that matter most. You'll notice we're not just reiterating all of the conversations that are taking place all over the country, speculating on this, that, or the other regarding uh, what will happen if Trump is uh, truly uh, arrested, what will happen when he makes his plea, and will the case be thrown out or will it not, and what will happen with all the successive cases that are filed against him. All of that is pure speculation, and most of it is a waste of time. It will be what it will be. But what is not a waste of time is to take a look at our time in its broader perspective from God's perspective, from God's viewpoint. So, we know that uh, the sexual promiscuity and debauchery that increasingly characterized ancient Rome in its prosperous prime is just like it is here, maybe maybe on steroids now in America. A global spread of American forces increasingly unsustainable to secure the Pax Americana or the, the American peace, just like Rome's legions uh, went beyond anything that they could handle, and it caused the taxes to increase dramatically, and it couldn't be sustained. So, that's kind of where we are at the moment. But of salutary note, I think, is that America's trust in the God who made and preserved us a nation has waned dramatically with the rise of national prosperity, so that the trust of Americans has been increasingly, even dramatically, reposed in the power of a Roman-like government that in the days of yore, sought to stamp out the rise of the King of Kings, Messiah, causing even the Jewish leaders to traitorously conspire with Rome, calling for Pilate's crucifixion of the King of the Jews, while the high priest in the Sanhedrin cried, we have no king but Caesar. That's going to be the cry again. Give us Caesar. We're desperate. We rejected the King of Kings. We rejected Yeshua as Messiah. We rejected the one who gave himself on the cross to save us from our sin, who cried, it is finished, then rose from the dead on the third day, and had the the miracle of that had to be hid from the people by the subordination of perjury by the Sanhedrin to pay off the Roman guards not to repeat the story. Does that sound familiar, friends? Lost to the American heart is the cry of American colonists who once cried out, we have no king but Jesus. So you can see that history has a strange way of repeating itself, and that's the mystery of history. Caesar gains more and more power and authority, while a nation claiming to be under God relegates their king to the ash heap of history. But this great, epic, eternal, and end-time battle for King of the Mountain isn't finished yet. It's lying now at the very door of destiny. And that brings us back to the global order. The days of Nimrod and Babel. The world under Pharaoh in the days of Egypt. Under Darius and Ahasuerus, Xerxes and Cyrus in the days of Persia and so on. Under Greece and Alexander the Great. With Hellenism spread over the world. 
than the Ottoman Empire and the Roman Empire. And Germany and Japan and China all having had visions to save the world and rule over it from their own viewpoint. That's our world. That's our history. That's the mystery of history. It's the battle increasingly heading toward the battle for king of the mountain. So the prophet Daniel, he spoke precisely of this man in whom the world is going to ultimately repose its trust to supposedly save us from ourselves. Daniel said it's going to happen in the latter time. That person is described as the little horn that's going to receive delegated authority and power from ten horns or world leaders, perhaps regional governments, and will be the king or ultimate governmental head of the fourth beast empire that's described as dreadful and terrible. He's going to make war with the saints and devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. Thus, the world right now is primed and positioned for the last great satanic enterprise destined to rule the world in defiance of the creator and dedicated to the destruction and annihilation of all who purport to embrace the king whom the creator has chosen to place upon his holy hill. So friends, I got to tell you, it's going to be a no holds barred battle for king of the mountain. It's epic. It's end time and of eternal consequences for every single one of us, whether Jew or Gentile and for our kids. There is going to be a global dominion. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to I want to make available to you again the book Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. It was written for you and for all of us to understand the greater picture of what is taking place in our time. It's happening right in front of your eyes, my friend. But because we tend to look at things in a very linear fashion, we tend to look at things in sort of a isolated and particular fashion, we don't connect the dots. We don't see the reality of what is actually happening in front of us. And as a result of all this, we don't see the significance of preparing the way of the Lord in our hearts and lives. The issue is not so much as how to find a way to defeat the Antichrist in a geopolitical sense. It's about how to defeat him when he tries to take over the lordship of the temple of your heart. That's what it's really all about. Because the Lord God doesn't live ultimately in temples made with hands. Yes, there will be a rebuilt temple. Yes, the Antichrist will come in and will rule and reign from that temple and declare himself God before Christ comes and does a one-two job on him. You can read about that in Revelation chapter 19.
I don't know how to more passionately and precisely communicate to you and to all of us, myself included, the seriousness of this moment. The purpose is not to strike fear into our hearts, geopolitical fear, military fear, fear of uh, nuclear annihilation, fear of economic disaster, and so on. If you want to find out about that, just listen to Glenn Beck. Sorry to have to say that, but unfortunately the man is terribly confused. Just terribly confused. We're not here to stir up fear. Not fear in the normal sense of the word, but the fear of the Lord. That's what's missing. If we really were living in the fear of the Lord, it would be changing what we do. It would be changing our viewpoints. It would be changing what we're doing with our kids. It would be changing whether or not we're spending time, not just time with our kids, but leading them to pursue the ways of righteousness and to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, not just to make a confession of faith, but to walk in the ways of the Lord. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for confessions of faith. Anybody can make a cheap confession of faith. Words are cheap. Have you not noticed that yet? God's not interested in confessions of faith. He's interested in men and women who not only will confess their commitment through confession of sin and repentance from it and receiving the blood of Christ, on the doorposts of their, the temple of their house, of their heart, but then who will walk with him in trust and in confidence and in obedience and in truth and in love and in patience and persistence. Are you beginning to get the picture? That's what God's after. And so Christ is returning. He is going to return to his temple. The scripture says the Lord himself will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom we delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. But who shall abide or endure the day of his coming? And who shall be able to stand when he appears? For he's going to be like a refiner's fire. Do we not understand that? Yes, God is love, but he's also truth and a God of justice and judgment. And Yeshua, the Lord of glory, is going to judge the earth in righteousness. We don't see Jesus as judge, do we? But he is. He's going to be the judge. As it was said in the 70s, here come to judge. And before that, there's going to be a pursuit of global dominion. This 
mystery of history is moving forward and it has its ultimate focus on the Temple Mount. And the, the prophet Daniel witnessed the intensity of this final global battle. It was the shocking outcome of the outrageous outpouring of mankind's unrestrained wickedness when untempered by the spirit of truth and the laws of God, the chaos, it, it was so great that Daniel, you know, it, it he was shut up for a couple of weeks, I think it was. He was so shaken by it. Couldn't believe the horror of it. But he also said that the one who is coming, Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, will have a dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages will serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Furthermore, the kingdom and dominion, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole earth, shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, that is, those who obey him, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the matter, said Daniel, and the mystery of history will have been revealed. So there's one final battle that remains. You know what it is? It's a battle not waged with traditional or asymmetric engines of war, not pursued for control of oil or geopolitical power, but it's the ultimate battle of the ages. It's the battle for your soul. The spirit of every person on this mortal plane becomes the conclusive spoil as the ultimate and most glorious created being of time, short of eternity, makes his final bid to become king of the mountain over your life. In brazen defiance of the creator himself, Try to peer into the future and see what would become of the eternal past. This is uh, a fascinating thing, friends. We're living in a very mysterious time, but the mystery is gradually disappearing. The dots are being connected, and we're able to see the pattern that God would have us to see. The mystery of the mountain. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.